Hello and welcome to the Aussie Nurses Podcast. I am Nat. I am Jem and we created this podcast to follow our journey into the world of nursing. This year, as graduate nurses, we will focus on surviving our grad programs and interview nurses we find interesting and squeeze them of their advice and guidance. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can always shoot us a message on our Instagram page, which we'll link in the show notes. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Aussie Nurses Podcast. This is Nat. And this is Jem. And we've got Molly here today with us. Hey Molly. Hello guys, how are we? Good, how are you? (laughs) Good. Doing well, come along. Oh, well, thank you for jumping on with us. It's good to have you on here. So I guess we'll pretty much just get straight into it, hey, with the first question. So tell us about you and where you're at in your nursing career. I'm Molly. I'm 22, so I'm first year out. I'm currently four months into my grad year um, at a public hospital in Melbourne, um, and I'm currently working in neurosurge. So we deal a lot with spinal and brain um, surgeries post and pre-op. So that's where I'm at. That's pretty interesting. What inspired you to be a nurse? Well, more realistically, a neuro nurse. Um, well, I've actually got um, cerebral palsy. So before I was born, I had a, a stroke. Um, so when I was two, I was diagnosed with CP. So I've always been around hospitals. I've had multiple operations on my legs and you know, I've been around hospitals and then I started my um, nursing degree and I started to work at um, my hospital that I'm at currently. And I fell in love with this ward that I'm at at the moment. It was really, really interesting to learn about my condition in general and the other conditions that, you know, epilepsy, you've got all the um, traumatic um, brain injuries you know laminectomies I see something different every day I get really it's everybody wakes up differently from surgeries differently so I'm loving learning about that so neurosurge for me is about different how different people respond to the surgeries they have and treatments you're never going to get the same person waking up the same so that's really interesting for me that's why I chose neurosurge (laughs) yeah Having CP, what challenges have you had, you know, being a nurse and having CP? One of the first challenges I came across was in my first, second year of nursing. I found out that they had like a disability thing at my university. So I went there and I was just looking for some extra time to learn in the labs just to do some prep stuff because I'm, I'm fine intellectually, just my motor skills on my right side is just a bit weaker So I just wanted to do some of the little things like, you know, connecting um, IV pumps up just to get a bit of extra practice. And I sat down and the disability coordinator at my university said to me, what do you think you're doing? Nobody with CP ever, ever passes your nursing degree. You won't be able to achieve this. Um, It's not going to happen. And I looked her in the eye and I said, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea about the story, my story. Yeah, you can generalise it, but how dare you put me into that category. Um, so I guess proving everybody wrong is a big challenge, you know, that I can do it. You know, I passed with flying colours, you know, I've had nothing but good reports from, you know, my placements and now at work. And it's kind of rewarding, you know. It was even the other day, 
I walked into work and I had a young girl who was 20. She's got severe CP and, you know, we spoke about, you know, the condition and why she was in hospital for this time. And it was kind of rewarding. And she said to me, she goes, thank you for understanding. Thank you for proving everybody wrong. You know, we have, there are, there is a spectrum on CP and yeah, I might be a little bit more than you, but I want to thank you for showing everybody that people who have disability can make it in their career and especially in nursing. So I guess it's, that's one of the challenges is just doubting yourself because others doubt you. Is breaking that stereotype. Yeah, exactly. As well. Yeah. Wow, what a great mm. motivational thing for that person to say to you. No. <laughs> Especially in the role that they're in where they're meant to be supporting you. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, so once I graduated, I wanted to send her, you know, a big sign, finger. The one with the finger I said, in it. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things that I was like, no, you've got to move past it. So, yeah. That is so awesome. And there are people that are um, that have disabilities and are working in the nursing field. Yeah. See, like nobody ever, like some people at work don't even know, yeah, my managers and my bosses know just because I put it, I had to put it on APRA because it to cover my own ass. But, um, you know, people don't ask. They sometimes ask, oh, why are you limping today? And all I kind of say is, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, I've just had six days on. What do you expect? Everyone's tired. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Wow. And to be stigmatized like that, as well is pretty ruthless did you have any um eye-opening moments as a new grad where somebody had kind of mentioned something similar or not necessarily in that context yeah I've had some eye-opening moments and I'm like oh my god how am I gonna do this I've had a couple of cries after you know some (gasps) when was the first cry we talk about this because they always say you're gonna cry as a new grad you're always gonna have your first cry when was it and what happened okay so I was three weeks into my new grad it was, so I had done seven unsupervised shifts and I was rostered on for eight nights over two weeks. So it was my first night. I had four, four, no, I had five patients that were all like meant to be, you know, looking after. Because like you've got on our ward, there's one more nurse on over the night because, you know, it's high, it's high acuity. It's very, very high turnover. Anyway. So I was looking after my patient and I went in and he said, I can't breathe. And I checked everything and he was vitally stable. He was, you know, afebrile. His work, he didn't have um, an increased work of breathing. So I just gave him early his salbutamol and that worked a treat. He went back to bed and I told, I told my nurse in charge. Half an hour later, he, okay, so mind you, he's in an isolation room query TB. <laughs> so fully ground up, fully everything. He crawls out of his room and says, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Half an hour later, we called a code blue on him, went down to ICU for five oh. days. I, like, it was just one of those, oh, no. oh my God, this is my patient. This is my first night. I've just called a code blue. Mm. What the hell? It was one of those nights. So that's the biggest, that was my, when I've had my first 1.30 a.m. in the morning, you know, this code went for three and a half hours. It was just, yeah. 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 Everything's slower at night as well. I feel like my response time to thing is a little bit delayed yeah. because, you know, your brain takes a yeah. bit to process. Yeah. So to have to call a code. 
crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But could you just imagine like someone crawling out of the room, kind of like, what is that? The ring. Yeah, it was just, yeah. That was the big moment that I had to cry. I wasn't, I haven't sobbed. I haven't sobbed. I was just like, you kind of step back and look at the situation and was like, what fuck was that? And it's that emotion of you're so focused on getting shit done right now to help this person. It's a code. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's just that overwhelming, you know, that adrenaline rush has calmed down the crash and even like knowing how to run the code it's like oh my god grab this grab that you know like what are we running down who's scribing you know so i've had plenty of code since but um yeah just kind of getting your head around the basics and remembering the basics i think is the biggest thing yeah exactly right i had a um a code last night well it, I didn't call it, but my patient was a little bit difficult to rouse. She had yeah. had some sedation due to being quite yeah. going off. Glee. So <laughs> she was really yeah. difficult to rouse and I transferred her ED to mental health and they were like, she's not rousable enough to come here we can't monitor her closely all this blah 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 and I was like this is mental health like how do you not monitor them closely but yeah. she was medically cleared yeah. and stuff so they were like calling a code over that they ended up cancelling it but I was just like shit should I have done this sooner <laughs> yeah, yeah you get a bit of those like I had one the other week who COVID bit, uh, like um specu- oh, speculated co- yeah <laughs> that and I it wasn't my patient and I had taken him down for a CT, became aphasic, wasn't obeying. I was down in the CT by myself, all gowned up, <laughs> couldn't call my ward. And I was like, great. They're like, everyone in like the radiology was like, so what are we doing? Are you like calling your code? And I was like, yep, we're going to have to. Yeah. And he ended up, it was more a behavioural thing thing for him and I was like are you kidding and you didn't know that because it's not your patient you're just doing the good old deed I hate that that's kind of like when you walk in and you're like I'd better just test that they're awake and that they're like cognitively there and like hey how's it going and they completely ignore you and you're like so I'm just gonna do your blood pressure lift your arm for me and they look the other way and you're like okay I know yeah. you don't want to comply, but we've got to. Yeah. yeah. Codes aren't as dramatic as you learn them to be in uni, I feel. Even no. what you might picture them to be. Quite often it's like, yeah. do we call this code? Do we not call this code? I've gone to the state where I'm also like kind of friendly with the doctors on my board. So I kind of walk past and I'm like, can you go check this out before I go like, call a code? Mm. So that's, that's good in a sense. But um, I guess the main thing I've yeah. learned is to back my decisions and what you can do and you learn from what you do, I guess. Absolutely. Do you think you'll stay on your ward a little bit longer? Do you like it there? I love it. I really love it. There's a really, really good supportive group of people. But I'm also planning, I have to rotate. They're planning on rotating us and my next rotation is to Pelkett. So that will be a bit different, um, but I think I'll like it. That's more, I've heard more group nursing or team nursing, sorry. But I kind of like the basics sides of nursing, you know, the caring for the patient, caring for the family and kind of comfort care. So that's something that I really am strong. I think one one of my strengths is like the basic care. I think that's really good that that you get to do that rotation as well. I think that's something Gem and I have definitely talked about heaps saying that we're thankful that we get to try out different areas, try before we buy. That is my favorite thing in like the last few days. I like waking up and then being like, I don't know where I'm going. And it feels like Monday every day because it's kind of like, oh, somewhere new. And then you wake up the next day, oh, somewhere new. (laughs) 
And you don't have to deal with everyone's politics and all of the crap that comes with it's good. If you had to go back though, Mole, and do your supernumerary shifts again, is there anything you'd do uh, differently? I don't do anything differently. I had a really good mentor and I walked in there and he goes, all right, this is the start of your nursing career. Go, just let me take the four patients. Because I had been, I, wor- I had worked on the ward as a health assistant. I knew everyone where everyone was. And from then on, I just became an independent nurse. So I was grateful in that respect. You know, he answered my questions when I needed him to answer. But he kind of just wanted me to drive it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really, really important for me to kind of start that backing. Because as a student, I was always very cautious and very like, no, the nurse should do this. You know, I'm a student. I don't have much say. So it was great to kind of take the reins straight away and be like, all right, I can do this. I've got it. And so it's a huge leap, even just to do the supernumerary shifts. I just felt like I was, it was all happening. And But once you adjust, you're pretty much into it. Yeah. There's some days where like if I come on at an AM and I've had a couple of days off, I'm just like, oh my God, how am I meant to survive? How am I, like I've got you know, four, four patients on IV antibiotics, you know, diabetic and, you know, they've all got breakfast is coming. Oh my gosh. But um, what I've learned is just to take a breath and, you know, it's a 24 hour job. You've always got somebody there. Ask for help. and. Don't be afraid. So, mm. And even I find that even if someone asks if you need help and you think you're on top of everything, just get them to do that set of obs that you were going to do next mm. because you never know what's going to be around the corner. Yeah, that's something that I've also taken. Yeah, just even the little things, like just mm. get somebody to do it. If they're offering, they're offering for a reason. So Exactly. We Yeah, we've had floats recently and it's if they're there and they're asking if uh, they can do anything, I just take it. Exactly right. Yes. So have you had your oh shit moment? You know, the like, oh crap, how do I transfer this patient? I'm pretty sure it was a two assist. Was it a two assist? Do I just use a Sarah steady? You know, those types of ones. <laughs> or the, oh, I just accidentally almost gave you four milligrams and it really should have only been two. I probably have like one of them every three days. <laughs> <laughs> just like... You know, I think I go, you know, in handover, you try to remember, you know, all these little things and then you go and get your four patients and you're like, wait, which who was who? Like, what was what? What do these people need? You know, all the fluid balance charts and a lot of our people with Sabarac injuries are now on strict fluid balance chart. And so I've had the same, I had the same four patients for four days. And so that was kind of good for consistency. But, you know, reminding patients, you know, you've got to drink your three litres trying to barter them. Throughout <laughs> the I kind of, it was funny. The other day I had, I had really good banter with one of the doctors. His, and the and we, if it was before eight o'clock, um, and he hadn't met his three leaders, I had to give the doctor something. But I was like, I can win this. I know how to do it. So I went in and I was like to my patient, you know, you've got to drink those three leaders. You've got two leaders to go. Let's break it up. And so I ended up winning. But, you know, all those like, oh, shit, how am I meant to do this? How am I like, what is this medication? Um, you know, because the scenario that we're in at the moment, it's constantly changing. Mm. We're getting a lot of gen med patients as well because you know my boss really wants us to keep all the single rooms free for all the COVID so it's every 24 hours we're getting you know new patients in um which has been really interesting on how like the protocols around you know 
the strategies around COVID and transferring and, you know, what if they need a CT, you know, how quickly can we get back the result? It's so, but I've learned, you know, if I have those oh shit moments, just to reflect on it and kind of acknowledge it. How has COVID been affecting your workplace? Is it starting to open up again or is it still, are you still tight down? So one floor was completely shut down for the COVID ward and the other one was a stimulation. So one half of that ward is open up. So that was like elective surgeries and the other half is still stimulation. So next week, all of my ward, we have to go to a four hour seminar on COVID and how to, you know, call a code what to do in this scenario. So yes, we're opening everything up again, but I think we're just also like, we're prepared for everything. We're prepared for the unknown. You know, we were meant to start 12 hour shifts this week, but they pulled that back and said, you know, when it happens will happen. But at the moment, things are turning out better than we expected, which is a good thing. Yeah, I think Victoria at the moment is sitting at 1,440 confirmed cases and only 18 deaths. So that's pretty all right in the grand scheme of things. Have you, it is good. Have you had any contact with COVID patients fully testing? No. Okay. So we've only had one through the hospital in the last seven weeks. That's good. Yeah, so we've been very lucky. Yeah. We're prepared. <laughs> we're very lucky. We still, we're still like testing every, every fly on the wall, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone's been lucky in coming back negative. Yeah, sure. Social distancing has really dropped off a bit. Yeah, completely agree. So it's going to be a little bit worrying that we're starting to open up. And I think that second wave that everyone's talking about is definitely a pretty big fear of everyone's. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. But as I was saying to someone the other day, we've got to start somewhere. We can't continue like this for the rest of the, you know, for our lives. We can't, Yeah. you know, we've got to start where we've got to start overcoming it and as I've heard people say you know this time was to prepare prepare for this second wave you know now we've got all the PPE now we've got all the strategies on how to deal with people with COVID so Mm. we've just got to deal with it as it comes I guess yeah definitely kind of think people have too much time on their hands at home to tell you the truth though the amount of people who are sending me the hey Jem have you checked out this video and it's the biggest bloody conspiracy video it basically starts off with like people wearing tinfoil hats like calm down it's gonna be okay (laughs) like why are you Facebook messaging this to me I don't need it what like is it a video about like different conspiracies out there oh yeah yeah but the latest one is that the U.S. government and the Chinese government made it COVID in the Wuhan between two different places one in USA and Wuhan And it was a conspiracy theory, but I was like, if it was that big a conspiracy theory and it was actually accurate, then wouldn't Donald Trump have already injected himself with bleach Bloody Donald, or some other detergent or disinfectant? If he, if he knew it was happening, wouldn't he have done that already? Oh no, whatever. Just don't send me a conspiracy theory videos. I don't think they're funny. I'm not even reading the news. No, me neither. I think they've calmed down a little bit on the news, but they're definitely now that stuff is happening. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's still there constantly, something new about COVID. Always. Hey, Molly, I had a question. Yes. Today I had a, uh, so we had a bilateral total knee replacement patient come back in from um, theatre uh, today. And her right foot actually wasn't able to flex. Mm-hmm. She was able to 
point, but not be able to flex it back. Yeah. Yeah. But her left foot was fine. And they brought her down from theater and out of recovery anyway. And I was kind of like, wouldn't you think that you wanted to return her to a state where her neurovascularly, she had already been checked by her surgeon and not coming back onto the wards. Like on the wards, our hospital doesn't actually have doc. Like I know in the public section, they would have um, like a whole team of registrars or RMOs or whatever it is that they use. Yeah. Always there on the ward, but our ward doesn't. So why would you send them back from recovery when you've got a patient whose foot isn't moving properly? What was it pre-op? Fine. Did they get it um, looked at it in recovery? No, the surgeon was going to come back and have a look after all the rest of his, after the rest of his list, which would be at like 6.30 to 9. And that was at two o'clock this afternoon. But But I was like, yeah. So he's, that's something that, is that normal? Um, no, not in my ward. I always, when I pick someone up from recovery, I always, if it was baseline before it, and normally the theatre people are downstairs, are really good. And the, they've got surgeons coming up before they even let them go, which is a good thing. But that's not normal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't okay. send them up to the ward. No, they were already on ward and I just accepted handover in her room. Right. <laughs> And then I was like, look, I'll accept it, but you need to let the surgeon know Mm. that this is the situation. And then he gets off the phone. He said, oh yeah, the surgeon thought that maybe it was because of the local. So we'll just see how we go. And I was like, okay. So he's coming onto the ward to review though. Right. And he was like, yes. I was like, great. Can you just document that as well? (laughs) Cause I'm going off shift soon and I don't want this on me. Yes. exactly. But yeah, I just thought that was really bizarre that you would think that that's okay. Yeah. But that is bizarre. Brad, what would I know? Yeah. Okay. Good. But I'm just hoping that also it was like the spinal block or the GA that actually affected it. You'd hope so, because otherwise, what did she have done? What procedure? Bilateral knee replacements. Oh, you did that. Yeah. (laughs) I did, but it's okay. It's okay. You're coming off eight shifts. (laughs) Molly sneaking in a bite of food between that. (laughs) We can... We can see you, Molly. (laughs) If I just ask her a question, she won't notice. Um, (laughs) So hang on, out of this whole ordeal, so the issue that you had with back in uni and then going on to ward and Mm. having cerebral palsy and, you know, being tired, obviously affecting your mobility somewhat, your motor skills. Um, What's the best piece of advice for people Mm. that do have a disability? that's not necessarily like completely impairing their ability to care? Um, What I've always been told is just to go for it, believe in yourself, because there's somebody else out there that will believe in you. You've just got to find that person and that person can literally be yourself. I have always kind of been like, I will do it. You've just got to be able to push yourself back yourself. Yeah, there have been challenges, there have been little hurdles, like, you know, I remember in placements being like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, opening ampules of, you know, like glass ampules. I shattered the first one in placement and I was like, I can't do this. Like my hands won't work for me, me to be able to do it. Now I do it every day. You know, like priming lines. I was scared of priming lines. But now I'm <laughs> a freaking wizard at it. So I, I would always say to just back yourself, do it. If you can't do it, ask for help. You know, I haven't, I haven't learned how to cannulate yet. That's my next thing because that's not you know, meant to be our second rotation. So you get to do that as or like part of your grad placement or is that like a hospital-acquired yeah. course? Yeah, is that grad? We get to cannulate. That's very cool. I don't know if – do you guys take bloods? I don't, but we can. So it's like an extra competency. I don't. Um, 
All right, Mole, let's finish it off with your most memorable moment. It can be good. Oh. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about you crying in the car. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, that's memorable. It is. My most memorable moment so far, I guess, is one of my patients that I had been working with for a couple of days. He was young and he had, um, you know, he had just had a brain tumour got it removed and I remember he walked out to me and he sat down and he goes you are the happiest nurse on this ward thank you for what you did for me over the last couple of days you are a great nurse it seems like you've been here for years and I think that was my most memorable moment because as a grad you're you know you've got so many things going on in your head every single day you're like what am I learning what's this you know so I think that was like I'm where I'm meant to be I'm doing what I love I'm here, I'm present, and this is it. Like, this is my career and I'm where, I'm where I belong. So I think that was, that was pretty memorable. That is pretty damn memorable. What an amazing way to finish our rep, Mole. Thank, Thank you. you. You're inspirational, hey. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Stop it. Stop. Oh, thanks for tuning in. If you're keen to hear more or something we've discussed has interested you, head on over to our Instagram or Facebook and send us a message at the Aussie Nurses Podcast. Have a great day.